Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Friday, Friday, Friday. Jason Davis here with you. Soccer Morning. Very happy to be on the verge of another weekend. Maybe you can hear a little strain in my voice. I think it's just the weekend. It's coming. Maybe there's something going on this week. I don't know. We are here. We are ready to go. Big show for you on a Friday. Very excited to talk to our friend Jonathan Johnson, who covers French football. He'll join us in the next segment. There might be some things around the world of French football to talk about. Uh, There might be one major story that has to be addressed on this program. We're going to do that. If you don't know what I mean, just stay tuned. You'll find out. It's pretty amazing. We're also, we also will talk to Jonathan Johnson about the word that Bob Bradley may be leaving Norway. He's definitely leaving Norway. He said as much. For a job in France with, with Le Havre, which is in the second division right now, Ligue 2, a uh, traditionally strong developmental club, perhaps an opportunity for Mr. Bradley to lift them up into Ligue 1, which would definitely put him in a job that would be more appropriate to his resume and skill set. Bob Bradley gave an interview to Rob Harris of the AP. It's a good read. Go get it. Go find it. In it, Bob expresses some frustration. We'll get we'll get to that. That's in the news, actually. So Jonathan Johnson coming up in just a couple of minutes here on Soccer Morning on a big Friday edition of the program. All right, let's start with the news. Let's go down to Miami. Tim Laiwiki recently signed on as part of the MLS bid for Miami. Joining up with his old buddy, uh, David Beckham, who he certainly knows from his L.A. Galaxy days. Tim Laiwiki, very instrumental in getting David Beckham to jump over the Atlantic and start this new era of MLS by being the first ever DP signing. Laiwiki says the plan for a Miami MLS stadium is, quote, in danger of being blown up. Apparently, private landowners in the area where the stadium is proposed to be built have jacked up their prices. Because they know that they have this group over a barrel. Laiwiki says that while they're willing to overpay, they certainly don't want to be the stupidest people on the planet. So, uh, will this have a, a detrimental effect on getting the deal done? It seems it will at least have some effect. Here's the quote from Laiwiki. They know what we're doing, and unfortunately, they've let that create an absolutely unrealistic conversation. They can absolutely blow this deal up, and they probably will blow this deal up. We're willing to overpay. We just don't want to be the stupidest guys on the face of the earth. He then said that the negotiations have not uh, been the smartest. And uh, right now, as I said, things are not looking great. If at the end of the day, whether it be the politics or the greed of the situation we're facing makes this unable to happen, then I'll let the commissioner decide. But I don't like those odds, and it makes me very nervous about my MLS in Miami. Now, this could be some bluffing. Um, this could be... We're going to pull up stakes and leave. You're not going to get anything out of us. Uh, A message for those landowners. But we shall see if this ends up submarining the deal to get MLS to Miami. We have an all-African final at the U-17 World Cup in Chile. Mali took out Belgium 3-1 in one semifinal. And Nigeria, in a thriller, beat Mexico 4-2. That means two African teams in the final. Nigerians are the defending U-17 World Cup champions. Here's the story that we're going to talk to Jonathan Johnson about. Kareem Benzema's lawyer said the Real Madrid and France striker has not confessed to being involved in the blackmail plot 
in involving Matu Valbuena's sex tape case. His lawyer says that Benzema's conversation with Valbuena was, quote, a friendly intervention and that he has not attempted to blackmail Valbuena on behalf of anybody. We shall see what the fallout of this will be. Now, there have been other allegations involving Benzema. I'm not sure where those stand. They seem a little less clear and a less concrete than this particular case. But you know that Benzema was pulled in by French police and questioned. He returned to Spain and resumed light training with Real Madrid yesterday. And obviously uh, missing out on the Champions League due to injury. Uh I also did see that Matthew Valbuena on his Facebook page changed his uh, his profile image to one of him and Benzema. So this may not, Valbuena certainly seems to be supporting Benzema. We shall see what the French authorities have to say about the matter. Daniel Bonifacio of the Denver Post has reported that the Colorado Rapids are sticking with head coach Pablo Mastorani and will not pursue former NYC FC head coach Jason Christ. This cannot be great news. For fans of the Colorado Rapids, it's been a moribund couple of years for that team. And to be honest with you, as much as I like Pablo Mastorini and respect his playing career, he does not seem cut out for this job right now. Remember, he took this job kicking and screaming after Oscar Preja left Colorado to go to FC Dallas. Pablo Mastorini was tapped to be the head coach when there was no other option. He was the he was the easy choice. He was already in-house as a uh, a part of the staff there in Colorado. And they've had a couple of very poor seasons, finishing in last place in the Western Conference in 2015. The stage is set for the second leg of the MLS Conference semifinals. Red Bulls hosting DC United up, and up a goal and a, a crucial away goal, 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday on ESPN. Next up, Columbus hosting Montreal. Columbus is down 2-1 to one in that series. That game's at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. On ESPN, no, uh, no resulting suspensions from anything that happened last weekend. If you're wondering about that, that did come out earlier this week. We will not see anyone suffer an additional, uh, additional suspension for for something that happened in the conference semifinal, semifinal first leg, and that includes um, Didier Drogba and the leg grab of Steve Clark, which is difficult to pin down exactly what the punishment on that should be. He got a yellow card. Maybe that's the end of it. FC Dallas down 2-1 to one to Seattle. They host the Sounders at Toyota Stadium. That game is 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1 on Sunday. And the nightcap, Vancouver. No goals against the Timbers at BC Place, 10 p.m. Eastern, Fox Sports 1. That game on a knife's edge, as they like to say. The Timbers with a, t- a potential uh, to force uh, Vancouver's hand if they can go up a goal. And the Caps are not necessarily built to send numbers forward and try to break down a bunkering defense. As I mentioned, Bob Bradley has left Staubach in Norway after two years. In his interview with Rob Harris of the Associated Press, he did express frustration at not getting a bigger job. He described a quote-unquote network of managers and said decision-makers in Europe are more likely to play it safe than to take a risk. Bob Bradley has done Yeoman's work in a number of jobs so far, including the United States men's national team, Egypt, and obviously now Stabek. And we're going to talk to Jonathan Johnson uh, about La Havre, if that's the place that Bob Bradley ends up, how good this fit might be and what he can bring to the job and what La Havre has to offer Bob Bradley. This is obviously a two-way street. 
He wants a bigger job. Le Havre could potentially be a stepping stone for him. Anything, any notion at all, we brought that up on this program, the possibility that NYCFC might chase Bob Bradley. While they should do that, the likelihood he would take that job to me seems about zero. He is committed, obviously, to his European quest to get a big job on the continent or perhaps on the island, Great Britain somewhere. All right, let's step aside. We will come back. We will grab Jonathan Johnson. We'll talk French football with our friend. Don't go anywhere. It is Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com Facing the crowd You're talking too loud Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Well, we are back on a Friday edition of Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. We've grabbed an old friend of the show. It's been a little while since we've had him on, but it's good to have him back. Jonathan Johnson, who covers uh, French football for a number of outlets. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming back. Um, so uh, the elephant in the room, the, the big story, the lead here has to be what is going on with Kareem Benzema. Um, I, I don't know. This whole thing seems so amazing to me, uh, Jonathan. And, and I guess what we know right now is is that there's an investigation going on. Do we know anything else? Yeah, well, I mean, at the moment, uh, you know, Karim Benzema is under investigation for his uh, role in the alleged attempt to, to, to blackmail Matthew Valbuena uh, with a sex tape. There are a couple of other people involved. Uh, I'm sure uh, the listeners will remember that Jibril Cissé was also linked with this a couple of yes. weeks ago. However, Cissé was released without charge after about 12 hours of questioning, whereas Benzema, you know, was actually summoned to go before a judge and has now been formally charged. And there's, you know, there's now going to this this issue is going to be looked into more deeply uh, to establish exactly how how big a role Benzema has played, uh, you know, for, for the two players' parts uh, in question, you know, Valbuena at the moment seems, um, you, you know, to, 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 ha- to have loyalty towards Valbuena, towards Benzema, sorry, which would suggest, uh, you know, that there was no uh, intentional wrongdoing uh, on Benzema's part. But at the moment, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the two French internationals are mired in a lot of controversy at the moment. Neither of them called up by Didier Deschamps for the uh, upcoming friendlies against Germany and England. Uh, and Benzema are now back in Madrid training with Real. Uh, but, you know, at, at the moment, it facing uh, a lot of controversy. Uh, because of the, as you said, because of the investigation, uh, Didier Deschamps has come, uh, called up neither of these players, and that is that is that a legally mandated situation? Yeah, it is at the moment because uh, Benzema can now have no contact with Valbuena for the foreseeable future until this issue is uh, is cleared up, which obviously is a massive problem for Deschamps because uh, even if they missed out only on these uh, couple of international games, you know, at the beginning of next year when uh, when the next bunch of internationals roll around, the situation could still be the same, which means that Deschamps will essentially have to pick between two of his uh, you know most important players because both Benzema and uh, uh, Valbuena have been key for Deschamps so far. Arguably more Valbuena uh, than Benzema, but you know it, it's very difficult to leave out a player of, uh, of carrying Benzema's caliber. But I don't think that Deschamps is going to have much choice uh, when the uh, when 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 the next internationals roll around at the beginning of 2016, because I'm not sure that this will have been cleared up by then. 
it's interesting. My understanding, or, or you know, from sitting from afar and, and seeing this uh, this unfold, it, it is. I think the, the immediate reaction from a lot of people, Jonathan, would be, why would a world renowned footballer of uh, of, of, of uh, Kareem Benzema's quality and uh, and therefore bank account need to be involved in this at all? But I, but I, from what I understand, this is more about the people he knows than anything else. Yeah, absolutely, and plenty has been made as well about the people that Benzema is associated with in the past. Uh, you know, it didn't get any better for Benzema actually on Thursday because later on in the day, after all of this uh, scandal had emerged, he was even linked with another one. Uh, you know, another controversy at the moment that's uh, that's building up a lot of steam in France, which is the cocaine air scandal. It was mentioned that um, you know, Karim Benzema's name has perhaps cropped up in the investigation into that as well. Uh, you know, we know that uh, a, a couple of weeks ago he was also arrested in Madrid uh, for some of his driving exploits there. It's not been the first time so uh, you know Benzema just seeming a player who can never avoid the uh, the spotlight whether it's uh, you know for good or bad and at the moment it's it's arguably the worst it's ever been I think okay so obviously Didier Deschamps job ahead of of Euro 2016 is to get his team ready to compete on that level and they don't have competitive matches before then how how much of an impact will this have whether it's you know not having Benzema not having Valbuena or just the the distraction on this French squad which is very much a, a favorite uh, for that tournament yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge problem for Deschamps because, you know, like you said, not only would he be deprived of at least one of his players in the preparations for that, uh, you know, like I said, two very important players as well. Both of them uh, have played key roles for France since uh, Deschamps took over. Uh, but like you said as well, you know, it's also what, what effect does, you know, all the, uh, the, the negative uh, uh uh, the, you know the negative image that this is building up of the French team have on the on the rest of the squad. And at the moment, obviously, it's going to be a big distraction. Deschamps will want to deprive himself of both players, uh, just trying to avoid a bit of controversy. But this certainly isn't uh, how you know his Euro 2016 preparations played out in his mind. I don't think because Deschamps has always been from the very beginning uh, somebody who who is looking to avoid the you know the more controversial members uh, of, of of the you know the France national team that are available to him. Uh, you know, for that reason, we've seen him uh, neglect to call up Samir Nasri. Uh, he's only just recalled uh, the mercurial talent that is Hatem Ben Alpha of Nice as well. Uh, so it's quite interesting, you know, the fact that he's now in the squad and has arguably profited from the situation with Valbuena and Benzema because had uh, the two been available for selection, I'm not sure that we would have seen Benzema just yet for the for the France national team. But, uh, you know, Deschamps there replacing um, two characters who are currently embroiled in, uh, in controversy with, with somebody else who has had his fair share of controversy in the past. So, you know, Deschamps perhaps uh, n- not, not quite happy that he's having to call on, uh, on certain members of the squad uh, at this moment in time. But, uh, you know, I think Deschamps can also feel very relieved that he is in uh, you know, a very enviable position as a, as a national team coach because there's so much talent uh, available to him that even without Benzema and Valbuena, France still have a, a, a fantastic uh, squad. But, of course, you know, ahead of the Euros, if he was to be deprived of one or even both of those players ahead of the actual tournament, you know, then that would be a huge blow. Mm, okay. Uh, before I, I, I certainly want to touch on um, on French fortunes in the Champions League, Jonathan. But I know I have limited time with you, so rather than get to that now, let's make sure we talk a little bit about Le Havre and Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley, 
uh, last couple of seasons in Norway with Staubach doing wonderful things on a very small budget. He's ready for a new challenge. He wants a, a bigger job, um, and he's been linked to this French club. Nothing official yet as far as I know, although reports say there's an oral agreement. Um, what can you tell us about this current situation at Le Havre, certainly their, uh, their profile as, as a French club in Ligue 1 at the moment? Yeah, this is very interesting at the moment. Le Havre are a, uh, I would say they're a solid team. You know, at the moment they're a very good base for for Bradley to come in and uh, and build on. If if of course if he does take the job, uh, at the moment you know they're uh, you know they're placed fourth in uh, in Ligue 2, which is uh, which is not too bad. The top three will go up from uh, from the second tier into the top tier at the end of the season. So three points off of uh, potential uh, promotion places at the moment. Uh, and I think that you know you look at the the squad they have available to them. If if Bradley was to, to to come in, he has a good shot of immediately taking them up to the top flights. So this could uh, you know almost be his ticket to uh, to, to managing the league uh, at the beginning of next season. Uh, Love of an established uh, top flight side. You know have flirtations with becoming a bit of a fixture in Ligue 1. Uh, a, f- a few years ago, I think they had uh, a spell where they spent the best part of the decade in the top flight uh, between 1991 and uh, and 2000. But then they dropped back out into Ligue 2 and they've only spent uh, a couple of seasons in the top flight since then. So this is by no means uh, you know a, 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 a giant club that's sure. that, you know that's sort of sleeping. But you know for, for Bradley to come in, it would be uh, I, I think it would be a very uh, wise choice for him because by the sound of it, you know. He feels that he has been overlooked for for certain big jobs that have that have cropped up recently. Perhaps Aston Villa. Who knows? Um, and you know, if he was to come to this team, I think that there is a a, a good project that's about to form there. Uh, you know, they've got a fantastic stadium, very new, very shiny, uh, a good solid squad with some uh, some very good players, particularly uh, uh, the striker Mathieu Duhamel as well, who arguably you know is capable of playing uh, in Ligue 1, and he'd definitely be able to score the goals to take a Bradley team uh, up to the top flight. Uh, and there's also investment there as well. Uh, you know, you've got American uh, businessman uh, Vincent Volk, who's uh, who's now investing in the side and. I think that would obviously play a big role in, uh, in in Bradley taking the job. So I think that if he does go there, uh, I think it's because there is a, a, a very clear project uh, to be formed there, and I think that it would be uh, you know a very good opportunity for him to take. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm got momentarily distracted there, Jonathan. Did you did you give us a, a reason why this job is open at the moment at all? Well, it was uh, it, it was a difficult start to the season for them, but then Laav has uh, started to pick up points. Uh, so now, at the moment, they're uh, you know without a, without a coach, they've got a caretaker manager. Uh, you know, they started with a with, with a bunch of defeats, but then put together a really okay. good run of form around about October time. Uh, picked up uh, three consecutive wins recently, which has really boosted them up from fifteenth uh, in the table all the way up to fourth. And you know, Ligue 2 is uh, is very similar to to Ligue 1 uh, below the the European qualification places. That it's very tight knit and it stays that way for the majority of the season. So it's easy for a team to put together a, a good run of form and boost themselves up and start looking good for for promotion. But it's also quite easy, uh, you know, to get a couple of uh, disappointing results and then drop all the way down the table as well. So at the moment, yeah, uh, you know, Laaf have boosted themselves up. From the bottom end of the table towards the top half, and you know if uh, if Bradley was to, to to come in, you know with that new coach kick that uh, that you get, especially ahead of January as well, uh, you know I'm sure that he'd be able to bring in the sort of reinforcements that he'd need uh, in order to, to to keep them pushing for promotion. Uh, Jonathan, I don't expect that you have um, some sense of of, of how uh, European football or or French football. Uh, views Bob Bradley, but if you if you had a, a, a from what you know about him, um, having you know been tangentially around um, the, the the American game a little bit through through this show and other places, what what do you know and what do you think that 
uh, that that Le Havre sees in him that gives him this opportunity? I mean, are they viewing him just as a coach? Because there's so much question about whether or not his Americanness is a real deficit to him getting a bigger job. I don't think it is a deficit to him getting a getting a bigger job, but uh, I think that you know, certainly in this uh, this situation, I think that his link, uh, you know, perhaps with the American investment is is, is going to play a key role. But I think what Love probably see in him at the moment is a coach who's able to do uh, very good at uh, you know on, on limited budget, and they would be able to offer him, I imagine, more money to to, to reinforce the side than Starbeck. Uh, and I you know I think that he would be able to build because this is also a club with a, a fantastic youth academy you've got to bear in mind that this is the club that birthed the likes of Paul Pogba La Sala Diara you know so it's not a it's not a club that has no talent uh, being produced from within as well uh, and I think that they were they they see him uh, as the right kind of guy uh, you know to to to, to lead uh, I, I wouldn't say like an underdog but uh, a, a team that weren't exactly fancied for for, for promotion at the beginning of the season uh, up, up to Ligue 1 uh, and then to get them punching above their weight in the top flight as well and I think for him it would be, uh, although he's walking away from potential continental football uh, with Starbeck because I know that he's he's qualified them for for, for European football next season. Uh, you know he he has the chance here to, uh, to 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 really make a name for himself by achieving something with uh, with Love, who, uh, as I said, have you know have become a bit of a, a fixture in Ligue 2 over the last couple of uh, last couple of seasons. And I think that what he's done at Starbeck, uh, you know, how he's re-established them as a, as a real power in Norwegian football. Uh, you know, I think that Laav are looking at him uh, and hoping that he'll be able to take them from Ligue 2, take them back into Ligue 1, uh, and then perhaps see what happens from there. Uh, Lava, I'm just I'm learning some French geography here. You can pop down to Paris pretty easily from Lava. Uh, so, Jonathan, uh, let's talk about the Champions League briefly here. PSG losing to to Real Madrid. They played two matches. There was one goal scored. Um, the, the, uh, PSG probably imagines himself fairly comfortable to qualify for the knockout round in second place behind Real Madrid. Uh, or I don't know if they have designs on on winning the group necessarily, but they should feel good about that. And meanwhile, Lyon falls um, this week. Uh, where do things stand at the moment for France in the Champions League? Yeah, well, at the moment, obviously, it's very disappointing to see that Lyon, you know, pretty much as good as out. And uh, uh, with, with with PSG, you know, yeah, they're obviously going to be frustrated that they weren't able to take their chances against Real Madrid over both games. I think they can have more regrets from the first match when they barely created anything uh, compared to the second one. Obviously, it's disappointing for them the way that they, you know, lost out uh, against Real at Santiago Bernabeu earlier in the week. Uh, you know, goalkeeping howler and then uh, a bunch of missed chances stopped them from even uh, coming away with the point. Uh, but otherwise, I think the PSG have already shown this season that you know they have improved from. Uh, from, from last year, and I think they, you know, they they will now obviously need to to prove themselves from second spot in the group, barring uh, a massive collapse for Real Madrid, which I don't think is going to happen. But uh, you know, as as for Leon, very very disappointing to uh, you know to see them go down again in midweek, uh, and you know it it doesn't even really look like they it would benefit them uh, dropping into the Europa League. Uh, you know they, they they've got a lot of problems off the pitch at the moment. Uh, they are up into second now in Ligue 1, but it's been a very slow start to the season for them, uh, and it just seems like they're not really ready just yet. Uh, this squad for you know for for balancing continental and uh, and, and domestic football. Yeah, uh, that's uh, the the, uh, the 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 Europa League spot. Always an interesting question for clubs that are having issues like that. Jonathan Johnson, go follow him on tw- on Twitter. I believe it's still John J O N underscore Legalsip. Uh, John, thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the weekend. There you go. Jonathan Johnson, great stuff from him.
Let's move on from France and talk to you. Let's open up the phone line, 646-832-3909 on a Friday. See you then. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go. Friday, Friday, Friday. Phone lines now open. 646-832-3909. Plenty to talk about. Uh, certainly Bob Bradley in the news as he leaves Staubach after one more, one more game there in Norway. Part of a project that got that team into European competition. No small feat. For Bob Bradley. No small feat for him to go to that club in that league and do what he did. Remarkable. And I don't know that you see, you'll see anything coming out of Norway that isn't praise for Bob Bradley when it comes to the job he did at Staubach. And now, a new challenge, perhaps. Maybe in France. I can't say it as, 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 as lovely as, as Jonathan Johnson, but Lavre. You gotta say it, whatever. This is an opportunity for him maybe to help this team gain promotion. And then he's in Ligue 1. He holds on to the job, which why would he not if he got them promoted? He's in Ligue 1. That seems like a pretty good place for Bob Bradley to be. I, I am a little disappointed he has to go to Ligue 2 to get to Ligue 1. But it is what it is. Let's go to uh, the phone line, 703. Remember, no screening this week. No Trevor. It's a sad day. 703, who's this? Hey, Jason, it's Thomas from Long Beach. How are you doing? What's going on, man? Uh, I was thinking about the uh, whole Germany scandal right now, and then UEFA's Platini, and it made me think about uh, when the first FIFA scandal hit uh, with the, all the CONCACAF arrests and everyone was calling for a reorganization of FIFA with you know more more emphasis on the bigger, richer countries, really, you know, getting rid of all of the Caribbean influence and stuff, and I wonder if anyone had changed their mind because clearly UEFA is not innocent. It's not know? well. And, it's not necessarily get rid of them. Obviously, as part of the process, they deserve to have some sort of voice. <clears throat> I think what a lot of people were saying is that because of one country, one vote, it's it becomes easier for certain parties within FIFA to collect support through smaller countries, countries that are more in need of, of, of soccer aid and more in need of money to keep their programs running, more likely because of that, because of that need and because of the, the culture of graft to be susceptible to having their votes bought. Or even if, I mean, look, again, what the way Sepp Blatter gained his power and then held on to his power was not in and of itself wrong illegal the you know it wasn't necessarily that he was doing something uh the evil or he, sh- that he shouldn't have been doing unless he was unless he was shifting money around that didn't that wasn't supposed to go to certain people I and mean, that's possible what i'm saying though is that he managed to gather up the support by helping these countries helping these smaller federations 
maintain their their soccer programs through FIFA largesse, and that's 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 part of the problem with the system. If you view that as a problem, uh, as a guy who likes yeah, actually, as a guy who likes sorry, as a guy who likes democracy, I'm okay with one country, one vote. I just don't know how we balance that out in light of all of this stuff that we've seen. Right. I guess with you know, I always found that one of the redeeming qualities of Seth Blatter was that he had kind of brought in these smaller countries. I think Tahiti at the Confederations Cup was one of the, or was it Fiji? I'm not sure on the exact country, but at the time I thought that was one of the best storylines in a long time in global soccer. And, you know, I actually feel those countries need that money. And granted, it should be going to better hands, it should be going to the things it goes to. But some of it, I believe, does. Whereas, you know, if you give Germany a lot of votes, if you give U.S. even a lot of votes, you know, you have Chuck Blazer there. Um, granted, he was working for CONCACAF, not U.S. Soccer Federation. But, I mean, what's the difference of giving already rich cooks more power than giving, you know, than balancing that out a bunch of, around a bunch of cooks? I figure if you're getting into soccer, you know, hopefully we can find some good people at some point, but there's going to be a lot of bad apples. I'd rather see, you know, a stronger FIFA that goes out and roots out the corruption, makes out the, uh, makes sure that this money is going to these programs that they're supposed to, but I'd rather see that money going to the countries that needed to develop, to develop their infrastructure because, yeah. you know, a lot of those Caribbean countries aren't going to get those programs from their own taxes. Well, Germany, the U.S., England, those all will. Well, if it, you it, redistribute the power to where it was, you get back to they're getting all the money, which they already have. Well, I think what we've got here is a fundamental question as to whether you, uh, world football can operate with these varying, uh, these varying interests trying to cooperate. Because, you know, when we point to UEFA and we say, oh, we don't want UEFA, I mean, this is what Seb Blatter's been saying on his Scorched Earth tour of interviews recently is that he needed to he felt he needed to stick around to be the balance against Platini and UEFA and 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 first of all that's hilarious I mean he, he did somehow manage to set himself <laughs> apart from his home continent and his home country and all that stuff and got, right. I guess give him credit for that but it it, it, could, it just speaks to the issue can 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 UEFA coexist with Oceania can UEFA coexist with the Southeast Asian countries can UEFA coexist with African nations who certainly need support on a level that Germany and France and Spain and Italy don't. I, I, you know, you're always going to have politics involved. This is why it's so hilarious whenever FIFA talks about how soccer and politics don't mix. They, they absolutely are everything that FIFA is, or is politics. It's just, I don't know that there's a regular, I, I think, I think the, the, the most pragmatic thing is for everybody to split up and do their own thing, but then we don't get a world cup anymore. And that's a tragedy. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I think we're already seeing some of that with uh, UEFA's League of Nations. And that has me worried with all sorts of things with the rankings, because they already have, with mm-hmm. the way the rankings are set up, they have a built-in um, a built-in advantage because they play so many more competitive games. Mm-hmm. And, and if they never play anyone outside of it, I mean, the U.S. and Mexico right now, we aren't doing too well to get high up in the rankings anyways, but if we never are able to see, you know, to play these other countries and we're only playing CONCACAF for a bunch of friendlies, there's no way we get in the, you know, outside of the 
high teens, you know, even if we win probably every game we do in four years because of the amount of competitive matches that UEFA's going to be playing. Yeah. Hey, that is that is something to be considered. Uh, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, there goes. Have a great day. I uh, didn't catch his name, but he was from Long Beach, I believe. Let's go to 917. You're on the air. Who's this? Jason, how's it going? It's Bill from Rockland. What's up, Bill from Rockland? How are you? Wanted to call about the playoffs on Sunday. Okay. How are you feeling, Bill? Well, I'll tell you, I think i got to stop listening to all these podcasts. They're making me crazy. Because <laughs> everybody is saying how well we stack up against D.C. Uh-huh. Anybody who knows anything about us in D.C., we never stack up well sure, against D.C. Sure. Well, that, but that's history, Bill. Think- history, does, you know, you got re- you got to rewrite that history. This is the opportunity. That, I mean, this is, uh, and I'm sorry I'm feeding into exactly what you're saying, but, but the Red Bulls are the biggest favorite out of any of these four matchups. Oh, it kills me. <laughs> I can't hear it. Stop saying it. I think I'm going to try to show off after this now. I can't listen to this anymore. I'm sick to my stomach. Back this game. I know. I, I know. The nerves are strong. Bill, your phone just went all crazy on me. I'm going to have to let you go. Give me a call back if you want. Uh, 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Here's a bit of news dropped while, I was, uh, while we were talking about FIFA and politics and all of that. Uh, the United States starts their World Cup qualifying campaign next Friday, a week from today against St. Vincent and the Grenadines in St. Louis. The roster for that match and for these two-game set that includes a game against Trinidad and Tobago four days later will drop today at 1 p.m. Eastern. This comes from the U.S. Soccer Twitter account. And I'd just like to thank Jurgen Klinsmann and U.S. Soccer for, bringing, uh, for, for, for putting out there that the roster for these games is going to drop moments after I go off the air over at SiriusXMFC. Thank you so much for, yeah, for, yeah, thank you. I, I would have loved to have talked about the roster today. I would have loved to have had the opportunity to break it down and maybe say, oh, it's great to see that player in there. What kind of, li- what kind of lineup can he put out with this group? Look at what Gergen Clinton's doing with X, Y, and Z. But no, no, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern. God, just grinds my, ge- no, I'm kidding. It is what it is. We'll talk about it on Monday. Let's go to 609. You're on the air. Hey, Jason. It's uh, Richard in Philly, number 21. What's going on, number 21? What's, uh, what's up in Philly? I was kind of wondering. I had an idea that I was starting to think about what we say every once in a while with things come out. I kind of feel that the soccer-specific stadium idea is dead. It's dead? Yeah. Okay. Because most of these things coming out now are either multi-purpose or they're built specifically for NFL, and then you're still talking about like Atlanta, yeah, Seattle, yeah, yeah. New well, England, okay. I, I, Orlando. I, I don't know that it's dead necessarily, Richard, but I do think that because MLS is now in a place where they are, they don't want, to, they don't want another Chester. They don't want another Bridgeview. They don't want another Frisco. What they want is that building downtown, okay? And the problem with that is, is it becomes much more difficult to get all those ducks lined up so you can build downtown. And then if you build downtown, there's a lot of different interests and people involved who now want a piece of that pie, whether it's use, um, whether it's money, whether it's, um, you know, they don't want the public funding to go to it. I, and all of those things are part of it. DC United looks like they're going to get a soccer-specific building. I don't know what else they're going to put in there. Maybe concerts, m- maybe some local football team will play there. Maybe they'll have the Turkey Bowl there. I don't know. Um, but they, there's there's... I think it's okay 
for these teams and these cities to look for other uses. If it's pu- if there's any public financing at all, or there's a public element at play, there should absolutely be some shared usage. It should be for the community, not just for that team, because it's using public funds. If it's privately funded, and there is no consideration on the part of the city, and that never happens, you just have to work in the city at some point, especially for infrastructure, then okay, use it for whatever you want, but you're not going to get that land downtown. So it, I see what you're saying, Richard, and certainly Atlanta speaks to what you're saying. But LAFC is going to build their own place. That's for soccer. DC United is going to build up their own place. That's for soccer. If the Revolution get their asses in gear and figure something out, I think that building is going to be mostly for soccer. When you say multi-use, it's not quite on the level of, say, the Veteran Stadium or something. No, and I'm not mad at it. Cause, and, I'm, and I'm not mad at them for doing that. Like, if that's the only way. Like, I, I want my I, I have like I want Miami to get get that their stadium because the the theory that's being thrown around is that they're they're going to share with the Miami Hurricanes because the Hurricanes back de- back down a little Havana. I, w- I would want that more than them the Hurricanes playing in Joe Robbie. So if that's what you have to take, that's what ha- that's what has to happen. It just seems like where there's a new expansion franchise comes out, everybody goes, well, where are they going to put? Where are they going to put? Like partner with the NFL team. Yeah. Do do what they do do what they have to do. Well, I mean, look, uh, obviously MLS teams in NFL stadiums was a bad thing 15 years ago. Uh, it still is in, in New England because you're not going to get 65,000 people out for the Revolution game. So it just looks terrible. You're on turf. You've got to deal with the football lines too often. So I, I, I get why, uh, you know, I, I get why MLS would want to avoid that. Uh, but par- partnering, but with the, you have the, partnering with the college but football you have team the is different. Which is Seattle. I'm, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. no, no. Seattle, but, it's, but Seattle is a once, a one in a million kind of thing. I mean, I, I don't know that we can we can't use Seattle as an example of why that would work anywhere else. And, and look, Atlanta's got the plan to bring down the sheets like they do in, in Vancouver. And okay, I guess that works. Um, you know, my concern is my concern has always been soccer should be an equal partner. If soccer is the second partner, if soccer is the secondary concern, if soccer doesn't get this, the full respect of the organization that runs the building and therefore is playing on 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 football lines. And look, turf is never turf is bad. I'm sorry, turf is bad. I'm not sure it causes cancer. That's the thing that's coming out right now. Um, I don't know if it causes more injuries than grass, but it's bad for the for the way soccer looks and and the way it plays. So I, these things are, are are in my head all the time when it comes to stadiums, Richard. Yeah, and I agree. Like, and a lot of people don't know. Like Houston Stadium, they the Dynamo share with the local college football team. Same thing with the Timbers, and you always hear about how Dallas Stadium is. Is a high school football stadium almost because I know I the Galaxy uh, played football games there as well. I think the the like, FCS yeah. championship, the FCS championship game happens at Frisco. I think that happens at at uh, Toyota Stadium there. Yeah, and that's why at the same time I know it sounds weird, but if I'm if I want CFC, I'm not moving. You you have a prime location. You have it. You have a great yeah. Iconic yeah. building per se, mm. and, and and obviously the option is obviously like you said, where you're gonna put, where you're gonna yeah. put it, who's well, gonna buy that's, it. There's that's that's no, there's zero option. That's why that's why their their situation is so difficult. That's why their situation is so. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they do because you you if you're NYCFC, you position yourself as the team of New York. There's already a team across the river in Jersey. You can't like. You can't go to Westchester. I'm sorry, you can't. And you can't like you can't go I to agree. you can't go to Connecticut. You can't you can't even really go out to Long Island, which already is Cosmos country. So I, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. And I I remember I was saying to somebody else if D C United and because it was the room that of uh, the Redskins going back to RFK, 
if I'm DC, if I'm DC United, I would go to Redskins and say, "We'll work with you. Yeah, we'll maybe. stay. Just give us. You don't want what, anything what, to do with Seattle, them, New England, <laughs> cap the bottom level. You don't want any. You don't want anything to do with with Dan Snyder, though, Richard. That's the issue there. No, <laughs> that's the issue there, <laughs> Richard. I appreciate the phone call, man. It's a good shot. Right, thanks a lot. There goes Richard in uh, Philly. Number 21. I haven't given out a shirt number in a while. I'm not sure who's... Aaron need, probably needs one, right? Aaron in Jersey. 646, who's this? Yes, this is Aaron <laughs> in New Jersey. <laughs> I didn't even know it was you. Right? Didn't. <laughs> That's scary, all right? Um, <laughs> you know, my my kids are like, you're weird to me. But, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, I mean, the whole NYFC thing speaks to how just MLS uh, doesn't kind of organize this whole new team concept in any kind of logical manner. And, and especially for a, a tier one place like New York, right? It's not like Cincinnati where you would probably have a workout, you know, that you could, that you could do after you, you have a, a deal, but in these kind of big congested cities, you know, the whole stadium piece is in some ways even more important than the franchise piece. It's like, you should almost have that as a requirement before yeah. you even, have a you know franchise uh, a deal, and especially when you're talking about someone as big as you know the the whole you know Qatari yeah. you know business platform that they are. I mean, to me, the uh, only thing that makes yeah. sense logically is that you cut a deal with a college, um, you know, in the city, uh, you know, whether it's even if it's kind of Hofstra sort of city um, or Brooklyn College or whatever, and you basically do. You know, it's almost like what NASL is doing, but like a better version of it. And and you basically just you know cut a a multi-use college, you know, college and and um, and 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 football, soccer, you know, stadium. I think that's the only thing that works because well, that's what they were talking about. Generate. That's what they were talking about. Well, that's what they were talking about. There was some speculation that they could might do that at Columbia, which. Again, it's not the best place for that team to be, but if that's their option, that's their option. Uh, by the way, let me just, since we're, it's a great conversation, Aaron, we'll keep going. Uh, first of all, s- sorry to Cincinnati, no offense intended. Second of all, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, just to make it clear, uh, City is owned by Sheikh Mansour, who's from the United Arab Emirates, just to put that out there. Go yeah, ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, UAE, not, uh, yeah, not, not, Qatar. not Qatar. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Qatar has their own <laughs> set of teams. Yes, yes. Uh, UAE is, uh, but but I mean, you know, what's really fascinating about this is is I think it, it shows that, um, you know, in their world, and when I say they, I don't mean they in that kind of wrong way. I mean in that in that European, you know, let's call it billion dollar football world, they still kind of think, oh yeah, let's go buy some you know breakfast cereal in the U.S. Like that's an easy thing to do because it's MLS, yeah. and I, I and and you see it whether it's Gerard like oh wow this MLS you know travel thing is hard it's like well you you know you didn't study geography in high school I mean you know it's 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 the U S is is while we might not play obviously top five or probably top eight or ten European soccer from a quality standpoint. We, we are almost like our own super Mexico when it comes to our environmentals, you know, and, and whether it's stadiums, uh, cities, uh, topography, and, and it, it, it presents its own kind of, you know, challenges that I think, you know, others from the outside just can't parachute in and just think that, oh, yeah, you know, cut a solution, meet the mayor like I do in London and, you know, get a building. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, think about it. Bloomberg failed 
at getting the Olympics here, getting an Olympic Westside Stadium. I mean, that guy succeeded at like making Times Square livable. I mean, so if, <laughs> if a guy can make Times Square livable, that like I go in with my kids now and I'm like, yeah, let's go to Times Square. Like I thought I'd never say that. Um, and, and he couldn't put a stadium on the West Side yeah. when he could jam anything into New York. Um, you know, the idea that someone was going to parachute in and pop a team, you know, like a, like a pop a tent, you know, pop a team up, get a stadium and, you know, high five that you took over the U.S. market just shows like the complete hubris yeah. that others have well, when they come in, I, I which don't know. goes back to MLS. I mean, well, really. I, right. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly some hubris on the part of CFG, but it's also MLS uh, facilitating this entire Absolutely. thing. Probably because of the hundred million dollar check, but also because you of. Think? But well, okay, sure. But it, I, you know, for them, I think it's more. It's it's a little bit more strategic than just hey, here's a hundred million dollars we can share with each other. I think it's also New York. We want to be in New York. We want to we want to have a, a presence in New York now. And of course, they live in a bubble because where is New York? Where is MLS based? It's based in Manhattan. And so when Dark Garber when Dark Garber is taking his car service around Manhattan, he's thinking. Where are the where are the MLS jerseys? We need to matter here because this is the center yeah. of the universe. And when you live in New York, that's you know that's the the only reality. No, you but know. I mean, if you, if, I mean, if you follow that logic, I mean, I grew up in LA and I've lived out here the last you know twenty five years and raised my kids. It's it's that um, these are cities that if you have if you don't start from real estate in whatever you're doing in business, and I don't care what it is to be honest, and then work your way up. You, you're, you're almost guaranteeing, if your goal is truly to be in the city, I don't mean just like use the label, but I mean, if your goal is to say, you know, if a city business, I don't care if you're saying I'm going to be a belt manufacturer for, you know, hipster belts or whatever it is now, you know, and, 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 and no offense to Brooklyn hipster belts, but the, you know, um, it's just like you have to start from that kind of core of what's sustainable to get through a business and the fact that, you know, some MLS, USSF, all these people are here and they kind of drop this ball, you know, and, and, and to be honest, drop it with a tier one European partner. I mean, forget about all their goofiness that all these parties have. I mean, when you're thinking about this from the outside, this is kind of one of those you don't want to screw up. Yeah. Because if your goal is to get more of these, you know, three, four more, however many more of these kind of franchises and bring in, you know, hundreds of million dollar checks because it, it, it goes up in its value. You, you can't kind of screw up New York. I mean, it's just, it's like one of those like basic ones that I don't mean it's basic. It's easy, but it's one of those, like you get it right. And, and, and the fact that they kind of didn't put a functional plan together, they clearly didn't work with the city. I mean, well, they, it's kind of weird if you think about it. They, right? they, I mean, they tried. Well, like, Aaron, I mean, you know, to, to be fair, they gave it a full go at Flushing Meadows, and it did not happen for them. Now, to me, that means, okay, we wait on New York. If we can't get this Flushing Meadows That's deal exactly done, right. we wait on New York. Even if Mansoor and, and, C- and CFG are knocking down our door to be involved in the American market, we say, hold on a second. As you said, we're going to make sure that we get this right. Now, in, in the current situation and, and seeing what we saw this, this season – it's easy, and it's it's probably right and correct on some level to say it was a success because they got thirty thousand people out to Absolutely. a baseball stadium. But for me, it's not. This year doesn't. This year isn't going to be the thing that we by which we judge NYCFC. We're going to judge NYCFC Absolutely. in ten years' time if they're still sitting in an ill-fitting 
uh, stadium situation. And you know what? At some point, regardless of their involvement and who knows how much of a financial stake they actually have, the Yankees are going to say, you know what? Enough of this crap. Please go away. This is well, you know, I mean, think about it. in big picture terms. I mean, how, however much we think this matters to these guys, this is the Sergio Aguero transfer fee, right? At the end of the day, it's yeah. a one-off. Like, it, well, it's in their context, like, oh, it's a screw-up. We screwed up on Sergio Aguero 2.0, known as, you know, the U.S. market. Oh, oh we lost $100, 150000000 million. Not to say that, that that's not money they wish they didn't lose, but they can eat that. Sure. I mean, the real, the real problem isn't them. The real problem is that when, when something like this goes down, you freeze momentum, because it looks like you don't have, well, not looks, it is the fact that you don't have your ducks in order to help this process occur. And, and I think, you know, it, to, to be really honest, what this is going to take probably is a reboot. Call in, you know, Lord David, because he seems to be the guy who can fix anything. Call in David Beckham. I know that sounds weird, but just kind of, you know, say, hey, Dave, you know, wave some of your magic dust. You know, basically get involved, bridge, do your, you know, after you save Miami and you get your stadium there, you know, come up here and basically act as future, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, partial, you know, you know, the commissioner coming from the top of the mountain every so often when we screw things up. Because I'll be honest, I mean, from my, I'm from L.A. and I have friends out there, the same problems going on in L.A. with Sheevis 2.0, right? It, it's just, and it shows that this is the team that can't shoot straight when it comes to doing big things. Yeah. And, and, and I really think you need to be honest, to separate the running of the league from the development of the league. And you need to start bringing in like real professionals, like Cushman and broad type people, the people who know how to do this mm. in, in every other industry. Cause like if you were in, in Starbucks and you are, or, or in the hotel business, you don't kind of bring your friends in to launch more hotels, right? You bring in hotel professionals, you bring in real estate professionals, you bring in, you know, people who know how to do this. People in America know how to do this. I mean, we pump out between college and pro, you know, hundreds of stadiums and hundreds of franchise like, you know, entities. Um, we need to get those kind of people. If MLS is going to do this going forward, um, you know, it's, there's no way around it. I mean, I, I dealt with the whole Red Bulls thing, Metro Stars, whatever, for years. You know, when you're sitting in, you know, the middle of the winter feeling like, and it's rainstorms and there's 5,000 people at Giant Stadium. And, you know, that didn't feel, you know, really like a great game. No. You're sitting there with your kids, yeah. you know, and I, I don't think they want to do that again, to be honest. No, and, and I've said before, uh, despite everything that's happened over the last 15 years since he took the job, uh, despite the fact he probably saved the league by... Uh, by by cutting off the dead weight that was the Florida teams, despite the Beckham rule, despite uh, all of the growth, all of the expansion, the the, the massive growth in, in in attendance, the the TV contract, Don Garber's legacy is going to be NYCFC. I, I think that in time we are going to judge his success or failure as MLS commissioner by that moment because he has tied himself so uh, dramatically to the NYCFC project. And, and so, you know, you, you hope, you hope against hope that somehow in the most difficult real estate market in the world, they find a little plot of land to put up a 20,000-seat stadium. That's what you hope. I mean, to me, it's the only... And, 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 and you know, it's funny because I, I kind of separate the performance in the short term. I, I mean, I think this is the alpha and beta testing. 
you know, and, and I feel bad for the crisis because there's going to be one or two more of them until they get their stadium. But between now and stadium, it's almost like, yeah, let's do, you know, beta testing football team until we actually anchor ourselves. Now, I do think if and when they get a stadium and it's legitimate and it makes sense, um, they could pop. I mean, they could oh, yeah. they could really do some like, wow, yeah. because then they'd have all the pieces together and they do know how to brand them. I mean, you look at the EPL and you look at what they've done the last five, six years. I mean, they've, they've, they, they've brought a base of fans that never would have thought of saying they're, they're, they're Man City fans all over the world. So, I mean, I, I, I do think if they can get that piece, you know, um, they can actually, you know, do something. Now, the one interesting thing is going to be when Dan Garber sold them, and he sold them on a franchise fee and maybe sold them, you know, and they're not stupid. They probably assume they pay probably about as much money for the franchise fee um, as getting the team up and running. And they probably budgeted, you know, somewhere maybe 2x of that to get a stadium. Did they really budget like, oh, yeah, by the way, we might have to spend $500 million. Like, basically, this is a real estate deal that happens to involve a sports franchise. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Did they actually think that way because if they didn't this thing dies to be blunt because th that's a bridge too far right because then it turns into their real estate trust fund involved versus their sports investment authority mm -hmm. and that's a whole different world because they might say look we you know we're out of the new york market for all these kind of reasons to begin with we don't want some massive asset that we can't sell or it's a pain and you know, like it, it starts to fall into, you know, are we investing billions in London versus New York? And that's not what their sports investment authority does. Mm. I mean, not that way. And so, you know, if, if, if they didn't really work that piece out, this thing never happens. Mm. I mean, it, it just doesn't because that's just too much money. We, 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 you know, we, if we they got to spend half yeah. a billion. We shall, well, I mean, who knows? As you said, they can eat $100 million. Maybe they're willing to go all in that way. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Aaron, I appreciate the phone call. I, I'll offer you. Thank you so much. Uh, we, we give out short numbers to our best callers. If you want to take a number, we're happy to give you one. Absolutely. What, what number would you want, Aaron? Um, I would like number 22. That was all my right, high good. school number. Perfect. Nobody's 22 <laughs> yet. So, Aaron is now number 22 uh, in my soccer morning shirt numbers. Aaron, appreciate the call, man. Have a good weekend. Thank you. All right, yep, Aaron. Always good to talk to Aaron. Great stuff there. Phone line still open for a little bit longer, 646-832-3909. Let's review the shirt numbers since it's been a while. Washington up in New York City, number five. Rick in Philly, number 14. Eddie in Brooklyn, number seven. Roberto in Connecticut, number 13. Robert in L.A., number 11. Ray in Milwaukee, number two. Richard in Philly, number 21. Daniel down in Atlanta, number 68. And Aaron in Jersey, number 22. We're almost to a first 11. Then we're going to have to start determining positions for these people. What do we have? Uh, nine? I need two more people to get to a first 11. All right. Uh, Carly Lloyd up for the Pushkash Award. That's pretty cool, right? Um, Trevor, I, don't, I haven't looked through all the other nominees. Any chance she can win? Any chance that Carly Lloyd can win the Pushkas Award for the best goal of the year? As voted by the fans. Oh, look. I'm over at the Equalizer. Equalizersoccer.com, our friend Jeff Kasuf's website. And we've got... Uh, okay, that's not good. Let me see if I can get uh, the audio of Andres Cantor calling 
Carly Lloyd's goal in the World Cup final that is up for the Puskas Award. That's, that should be good. There's nothing wrong ever with listening to Andres Cantor and a goal call. They just, just never. Uh, more ads. There's so many ads on this video. Go away, ads. All right, we'll, we'll wait on that. Hopefully that'll come up in a minute. 646-832-3909. We're talking about Bob Bradley a little bit. We've talked some Kareem Benzema and the crazy story. And I said this yesterday. Which show did I say it on, Trevor? That, that Kareem Benzema's story seems like something for a Netflix series. A, a, a pro athlete who is also running a criminal... I'm not saying he is. But I'm saying it's an idea for a criminal enterprise. He's running it. Andres Cantor calling Carly Lloyd's midfield goal at the World Cup final up in Vancouver. Uh, Let me just get rid of the ads. Sorry about that. But uh, always good to listen to Andres Cantor. El Hattrick. El El Colazo. Fantastic stuff. Absolutely fantastic. Maybe she can win. Maybe she can win. Let's go to the phones. 917. Who's this? Jason, I know I'm breaking a rule here calling twice. No, no, Bill, your phone your, your, your phone went out, so it's I okay. Had, I had to get in on this New York City thing. Where's Washington? Has he called ever since the firing of Christ? I talked to Washington on the Sirius show yesterday, uh, Bill. He did he did reference you calling him out. So uh <laughs> Uh, he was just talking. He was obviously all of, uh, all about the Bob Bradley idea, which again is not going to happen. Because I, I was worried that blue until I die was over in less than a year for Washington because I haven't heard him. Oh, uh, man, that's that's hard. You're going to call him out like he would flip flop, like he would turn, to, like he would he would turn away from his new team. Seriously, man, you're going to do that. That's like the worst thing you can do to a fan. <laughs> Let me tell you. I like listening to Washington. Like I, I said before, he's one of your knowledgeable callers. Yeah. And after he came out to the Red Bull game, I called. I tried to get in, and I didn't get in. I had an extra ticket, and I wanted him to come to a Red Bull game and sit with me just so I could pick his mind for the whole game. And see, <laughs> why the heck are you a New York City fan when you could be in this beautiful stadium and watch the Red Bulls play? Man, I'm telling you. Okay, I'm not going to speak for Washington. I know his arguments along the lines of he never felt like the Red Bulls were New York's team. They never tried that hard. And he's in New York. I mean, he's, uh, a, they, he's a city guy, Bill. They are. Stop that nonsense. They're a New York City team. Who cares where they're right, Fair enough. Hey, that, that's, your, that's, your, yeah. that's your position. It's a fine position to have. It's the position that the Red Bulls would certainly like the rest of the, the Metro to take. But for Washington, for Washington, uh, that's not my team. That's, uh, that's Jersey's <laughs> team. Oh, <Bill>. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say, Bill? I called before and talked about New York City and said 
everything that there is wrong about soccer in is New York City. From their ownership to the Yankees getting on, just trying to get a money grab. They don't even want the team in the stadium. Everything about them is wrong. And I don't understand like guys like Washington, how they fall in love with this team. And to Garber's credit, He's made it, guys like me, and I know this is why he did it. He wants guys like us to hate a free Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, you're buying straight into I, his program there. <laughs> I fell right into his trap. Yes, yes, you did, and you know what? That's no. gonna, that's gonna ultimately that'll be good for the league. And, and when they get when they get better, Bill, and and they're, they're capable of beating the Red Bull because I know you swept them this year. That's gonna be fun times. I mean, it was already this year, and they were brand new. You know, I, I like oh. I, I like this dynamic. I like now you're 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 out here you're out here putting them on blast about being everything that's wrong with with modern soccer. But I like this I like this dynamic where the Red Bulls and the players and the coaches go what a rivalry. They're they're not who who are they? They're we've been here. They're, we've been on this scene. We've not. been on this block for a minute. We're not yeah. And then meanwhile, meanwhile NYCFC fans are like, let's go beat them. Let's go beat them. We got to go beat the Red Bulls. And I love that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I saw the call again. I just had the call about this New York State thing. It's it all good. Crazy. Bill, have a good but, weekend, uh, my friend. Jason. Hopefully, I'll call you on Monday with a good result after Sunday. Yeah, I, you know what? Okay, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll definitely talk about the playoffs. Appreciate it, Bill. Good stuff. Thank you. All right, there you go. All right, so uh, let's wrap up this Friday edition of Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. That was a hell of a show. Jonathan Johnson talking about Kareem Benzema being involved in a sex tape black uh, blackmail scandal. Oh, we don't have one more call. Okay, one more call. Uh, one more call. If you guys keep calling, I'll, I'll stick around. Three, four, seven. You're on the air. Hey, what's up, man? It's Eddie in Brooklyn. Ah, Eddie in Brooklyn. What's going on, my friend? You wanna you wanna jump on the pile here? What pile? The, the, We're following up on. Okay. Well, Bill in Rockland just called because he he had to give Washington stick about being a new NYCFC fan. He wants to know why Washington's not a Red Bulls fan. We're talking about how he's telling me how. Uh, NYCFC represents everything that's wrong with modern soccer. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a Madrid fan, so I can't even go that far. <laughs> okay. But, you know, just to pile on, I'll just ask what time city are playing. There you Sunday. go. It's, it's your friend. Knows. <laughs> what a, all right, so you called in with something else, Eddie. What you got? Uh, I'm kind of calling to talk all Red Bulls fans off the cliff because I kind of feel like everybody's hyperventilating for no reason. Oh, no. Like all of a yeah. sudden, it's not okay for us to be favored. Oh, my God. Bill called me up and said everybody should, needs to stop talking about how we're going to take down D.C. United and uh, we got the advantage over D.C. United. He said, if you know our history, you know we never have the advantage in the playoffs over D.C. United. And I'm like, hey, you, what? You're the biggest favorite. Well, I mean, except... Right. Except for last year when we did have the advantage sure, over no, DC United. Exactly. And, and I said we would have the advantage over DC United because it was the perfect matchup. Yeah, and, no and different. Red Bull fans absolutely need to recognize what happened last year as the dawn of a new era. And I'm like, this is not me. This is not me hating on DC United, but they're not a good enough team to beat the Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena with the Red Bulls holding a away goal lead. It's just not going to happen. I never thought they were a good enough team to begin with. Even when they had that smoke and mirror season that they had last year, all they had was a bunch of old MLS veteran savvy guys, but, you know, that's just not going to win in the playoffs. They, yeah. They're older bodies. It's it's ugly soccer. It's brute one. We've kind of developed past that. Like, yeah, it'll work in the regular season, but, you know, these are the playoffs. These are more contested games. Yeah. There's more tactics involved here. So, I, I mean, I always love the D.C. United matchup. And, it, guys, it's okay for us to be favored. We earn this. It's fine. You know, you, you just enjoy it. You know, it's interesting. I think of D.C. United as sort of the uh, an echo out of MLS past, Eddie. It's like, 
while you can still be effective and 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 get you know get a playoff spot and win some regular season games doing what they do you're right we need to be we need to be and i think we are in a lot of ways moving on from that there're always going to be route one teams in this league there's always going to be physical uh defense first teams in this league who can scrape together enough points to make it to the playoffs but the, the i want the, the i want the teams who win titles to be more uh, progressive, to be going out there, being pro- proactive, taking the ball to the other team, passing the ball around the park, probing defenses, creating combinations, scoring pretty goals. I kind of think you have been seeing that lately. I mean, yeah, it's been the Galaxy for the most part that's won recently. Uh, but, you know, the, the titles, I can't really think of an ugly uh, MLS Cup winner since, what, two, was that 2000, 2009 final that the Rapids won? Yeah, but I I don't know. I think I, I think sporting makes it ugly, even if they have some good stuff on the other end. That 2013 team was basically batter you into submission, and then we'll go score a decent goal. Ugly, but they they did play a little something. I, I'll give them a little bit of a um, a pass because it was like seven degrees, yeah. and it, there was ice on <laughs> on the on the field. So yeah. I mean, there was I'll give them a little like bit base. of a pass on that. Yeah, Rillian Collins should have been sent off. Yeah, they shouldn't have won. Yeah, RSL should have been MLS Cup champions. I'll keep beating that dead horse, but, you know, it, it was seven degrees. Yes, it was. My, uh, there was ice on my face in that, in that stadium, uh, Eddie. It was pretty bad. Uh, but, I mean, overall, it's, there, it's about their style. And, look, at least, at the very least, even if it's not necessarily that we're advancing to the point where everybody plays Spanish-style football, we do have, uh, we have teams that are committed and have, have an idea and a, a philosophy that goes beyond blocks of four, defend, and counter. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I mean, even that, like, if you think about it, I, I kind of feel like everybody in the playoffs right now has at least one player, right? At least one player that you can look at like, like, wow, this is a really technically gifted player. This is a player who can boss the game. This is a player who can make a play, right? Every, I think everybody has one except for really DC. No, like, DC you. would be Fabian Espindola, and that's like, that's that's weak sauce. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think that, uh, I think that the... They took some half measures to try to get there, whether it's uh, you know, a, a Chris Pontius that's 70% of what he used to be, whether it's Nick DeLeon, who's incredibly frustrating uh, week in and week out, whether it's uh, Fabian Espindola, who, for all of his ability, is sort of a, a one-man show who can completely wreck attacks all by himself. Uh, even, if he makes, you know, even if he's good enough to score 10 or 15 goals and, and be their leading guy, you take him out of the lineup, they're not good. You put him in the lineup against better teams, they shut him down, and now you got nothing. That's sort of where they're at. Uh, but just just before I hang up, I kind of I, I feel like I have to say this: if the, for some reason the rebels don't advance, nobody come at me and be like, "I jinxed them up and I hate those kind of fans." <laughs> what I say right here has absolutely no yeah, bearing what right. happens on the field. All right, yeah, yeah. I just have a lot of Brooklyn swag, and I'm very confident in my team's ability, and I'm willing to talk that out. What I say right now has no bearing on the result, none whatsoever. All right, there's Eddie in Brooklyn. That's fantastic, man. Uh, enjoy the weekend. I don't know if you got to work, but it's uh, but there's lots of soccer. I'm sure you'll be watching it. Thanks a lot, man. All right, man. Take it easy. There goes uh, Eddie in Brooklyn. Our boy been around for uh, since the beginning here at Soccer Morning. In fact, you know what? I haven't done in a very long time. I haven't played Eddie from Brooklyn's intro that he brought his his song that he brought to the to the table for. Soccer morning. I got to find it. I don't think I have it right here ready to go. That's my fault. But uh, we'll pull that back out, Eddie in Brooklyn. All right, that's going to do it. We're done. 
Thank you for listening to Soccer Morning on a Friday. Thank you for listening to Soccer Morning all the time. Uh, for anybody who's wondering, if you go back and listen to the podcast, you're like, where's the YouTube version? We had some technical stuff this week that uh, kept us from doing a video show. We're hopefully going to be back on video very, very shortly. We will keep you posted. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed on iTunes, whether you are an iTunes user or not. I mean, whether you listen that way or not, do all of that stuff. Uh, we'll be around. We'll be back next week. We'll have a chance to talk about the MLS Cup playoffs, the U.S. national team roster that's set to drop today at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, plenty of European football as well. Maybe Kareem Benzema will have his nose in something else in France. Who knows? Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Have a good weekend. See you later. Disappear What I put my heart on every curse